3: Walkie Talkies is a production of IHAR Radio and the College Athletes Network. Hey Mo!
4: Gang Day! Hell yeah!
3: Thirteen of your past teammates are currently in the NBA, and I'm gonna rattle every single one of their names off. You got Bam Adebayo, Hami Diallo, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, SGA, Kevin Knox, Nick Richards, BJ Washington. Emmanuel quickly, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson and Isaiah Briscoe is in and out of the league but we all know that he's you know He's a motherfucker too. So, walkie talkies, gang. Welcome back into part two of WTZE 15 here on the College Athletes Network. Featured on iHeartRadio, I'm your host, Noah Buono. We're going to pick back up right where we left off in part one with our guest, Brad Calipari. Make sure to refer to the show description for more details on what's inside of part two. And also, if you guys could please click that subscribe and download button, we'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get right back into it with Brad Calipari. You're around all of that talent, you're competing against all of that talent. At what point? around those guys were you able to kind of step in and be like you know obviously you're their friend but also give them a little bit of mentorship because of like your background and like man like of course I know this of course I can help you out with this like at what point was the respect and trust level earned you know with them
5: yeah and I think it came with more of like I was capable of doing it myself because like if you can't do it yourself guys are going to look at you like you're telling me to do this but you can't even do it yourself like you know yeah. and when
3: which like, sometimes is unfair i got it i got it or sometimes that is unfair because like yeah but like you know, it is
5: what it is it's like yeah. the thing is like with a lot of players like you could be the smartest guy in the world if you're a clown and you don't treat them with respect they don't trust you you don't build that relationship for them you can know everything they don't care what you have to say
3: right 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 now that they, that
5: they know you care about them they'll mm-hmm. like they'll listen they'll be open absolutely And if they think you don't care about them, they'll just, they don't care. Like, I mean, and like a lot of that starts like in the summer times with, cause each team is different. You lose five, six guys a year. So it all starts in the summertime and, you know, guys are in the gym. They see everybody knows who's working the most, who's doing what, and you know how they're attacking things, their mentality. And I think the respect starts from there when they see like, all right, guys are taking this serious but also the camaraderie, the stuff outside of practice in the dorms, whatever it is where guys are getting along, you know, there's that mutual respect to be like, yo, like I'm looking out for you. Like, this is what it is. And, you know, there's just times where it's like, even if it's some little, like you said, like next time, like be up a little higher, whatever it is, like it's just little things just to like, make sure everything is perfect because a lot of the stuff in dribble drive is very detailed. And Mm -hmm. sometimes like you run things, if you run a dribble drive it's not detailed the timing's not precise the spacing isn't right it's not going to work and obviously it starts with the players and who can get by guys who can make the play but at the end of the day if you don't have the same the right space the you know the right timing it's still not going to work so for me being around that and them also knowing that and on top of that knowing that you know we have a good relationship out of it. I'm not trying to do this for like my own benefit. Cause you know, what right. do I get out of this? Like, if I really wanted to, like if I was trying to get benefit, I'd tell them the wrong thing. And then you look stupid. And it's like, all right, <laughs> yeah, it. and it's like no, I'm not doing that. Right. And you know, I think that played a part in it is just developing those relationships in the summer with guys, you know, from the jump, 6am you know, workouts, whatever it is, you're in the gym late and gym mm-hmm. all day, like it doesn't matter. Like guys just know everybody's taking it serious and you're all there with each other.
3: Right. I mean, like, it, it maybe because of their stature currently in the NBA. It's hard to look back and, and think that, you know, at one, once upon a time, all of those guys were at that amateur phase where like, they weren't the Aaron Fox. They weren't Malik Monk playing with LeBron James. Like they weren't at that level. So like, you know, it is cool to just be able to build for you, look back on that, like rapport and respect that you built with guys who are so now accomplished in the NBA and have those kind of memories of just like, you know, cause I, I have my own, like, you know, things I recall on where like you give somebody a tip and they really were messing up and then they, you know, correct it, do it right. Right, right. And you just have that like little moment of like you dap up and you know, like, oh, he appreciated that. That was like, that's, that's my boy. Like I, you know, I want to see you do better.
5: Yeah, exactly.
3: Right. Looking out for you, that kind of thing. So, you know, especially you being able to do it with these guys and seeing where they're at now, it's got to feel even more special knowing like, man, like, I remember seeing you when you couldn't even do this and like being that close right. to it and then seeing the growth and development, like it's always special. They're your friends. You know, you want to see them right. do well. So, um, you know, being around those guys, you know, you mentioned the dribble drive offense, like who would you say? And then this, this, these next couple questions, you're going to be, at, you're absolutely being put on the spot. And if any of your, your boys listen and they want to take it up with you, that's fine. But I'm going to ask because I have to, who first one is, who, who was the best in the dribble drive who do you think operated the best out of that kentucky offense
5: that's so difficult because you got to think the first year you had isaiah malik and the aaron like they're just take your poison man they were all great but like <laughs> no exactly like you got to think like they're all different beasts like you had the game fox had 40 you had a game malik had 47 you had a game mm-hmm. Zay had a triple double like it's really like if somebody has it going that's who you're going to like it's no, like, Fox had it going. You go to him the whole game. Malik had it going. You go to him the whole game. Isaiah has a mismatch. You go to him the whole game. Like, it's just, you really, like, who, like what are you going to do? Like, it, you know, there's <laughs> there's only so much you could do.
3: And they're dribble-driving like, to each other, man. Like, you really had, like, this, like, exactly. you know, like, small little amateur trio.
5: Exactly. And you knew it. Then you had Shea, who's came around second half of the year where he really made himself dominant. Like, you had so many guys that just, like, really showed, like, you know, this is what it is. Like even like even quick, it took him a couple of years, but like quick came in and worked harder than damn near anybody at that position. And, you know, for those guys to really come in and really dominate like that, it shows like, you know, especially those first guys I mentioned, like they really dominated guys and like, yeah, that shows Seriously. how they, you know, how they separate from other guys.
3: I mean, you're a Jersey guy too. I think to a little bit, to a certain extent you're a Jersey guy and I'm a full blown Jersey guy, but um you know, I, I know the whole Briscoe background and just like grew up with just watching him and, you know, to see it not really pan out like in the NBA, like you being kind of close to that, like what do you think maybe was like the advocate for that? Was it the jumper? Was it like, because he's obviously got the skill, he's got the ability. I, I don't know. What do you think maybe like went into him? I mean, he, you know, he obviously is a successful hooper. He, like he makes a ton of money playing overseas, but the, the end goal for guys is always to get in the NBA. And what do you think maybe like separated him to always have that talent and be the best player on the court in high school and in college and then it not really pan out all the way you know it happens for some guys but what do you think like maybe happened to him
5: I honestly like i don't know you know everybody's path is different like i said like he makes a lot of money overseas he made money in the g league and he he did his thing sometimes you get put on a team where you know they have multiple guys in front of you and you know there may not be that option to get called up you know, you get put in a position where they have two or three guards already that they're stuck with that aren't getting traded to where you just don't have the position to, you know, take a step forward or like, you know, this, it is what it is. Sometimes you just get put in a bad spot and obviously he's talented enough and everybody's seen that everybody knows that he's one of the best guards that come through there. And, you know, there's only so much you can say, you can't really say much negative about him. He just, you know, sometimes you don't get put in the right position to really make a step forward or, you know, really give yourself the opportunity to show like yo like i'm really better than these guys and it's like i know he had an injury i think it was the last one or two years ago that probably set him back a little bit when he was getting the chance to play i think it was in portland maybe i think Mm -hmm. um to you know where he showed what he could do and you know he made it known like yo i can i can play in this league but you know sometimes when you float around like i said teams have guys up there that are already there that probably aren't going anywhere and it makes it hard for those guys in the g league whatever you know, organization is to move up.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The, the opportunity thing is, is always super key. You see a ton of guys who get drafted and if it turns out to be the wrong opportunity, you know, it could derail the career they could have had.
5: Like it was like for another, like Dakari Johnson. I remember Oklahoma city drafted him or he was with Oklahoma city. At least they had Nick Collison, Kendrick Perkins, Sergi Baca.
3: Yeah. Where are you and,
5: going? And now he's making millions in China. Like, right. exa- like you said, where you like, like, what? Like, what are you going to do now? Like, you have three yeah. high-level bigs, two of them, or one of them all-star. Like, there's just so much you could do.
3: Yeah. So, back to putting you on the spot. Who did you, you know, post-practice, 1v1s, king of the court, who did you play against the most, and who of them did you have the most success on that if I, you know, you asked today, would not be able to deny that you were frying him?
5: Uh man. So, I played a lot with quick quick and quite a... Um really those guys, Ash, Ash Higgins, I mean, quick quick is really dominant at once. for whatever reason, I don't know why, but he always plays out of his mind in once. and yeah. quality is good too, but you know, there would be times we go back and forth with each other, but right. for whatever re- quick is very dominant at once. And I don't know why it's very annoying because then like his first year practice he would struggle then he play once and he's just cooking everybody and you're like, where has this been? for the last like, <laughs> three months like come on like what's like what is going on and now it's like you you see it now like all the work he's put in like one of the better backup guards in the league where he's really making himself known as yeah on you know, elite level score but you know there are times where you're just like
3: damn like who uh who two, these two are kind of the most interesting to me well i got three more putting you on the spot questions and you can keep them quick if you want but uh I don't know it doesn't even matter what order I asked them. and who was the best of the, no, I'll ask that last. We'll leave that cherry for last. Who of them all surprised you the most with their current NBA career? That is like, wow, you know, you're better than, you know, maybe other people expected or maybe just than you expected. Like who, who of the guys that I named in the NBA has surprised you the most?
5: I don't think any of them have really surprised me because you see it from a standpoint where you know what they're capable of. Cause I see them every day of the year for seven, eight months. And you see how they develop over the years or even guys that were there two years, PJ, for instance, you know with them every day for two years of it and you just see them develop and you know, like they have that mentality of, you know, I'm dominant. This is how I'm going to be like, this is what type of player I am. When you go to UK, you carry yourself like a professional, you have that mindset. So when you get in the league, it's not too much of a shock. And now there's not too much that's really like off-putting or like, you know, it catches you off guard to where now you can go in and do what you do. You just have to take it to another level. And most of those guys, when you develop the foundation of how hard you have to work, that carries over to where now you don't get to the league and now you're complacent. And when you get to the league, if you're complacent, guys will surpass you. There's so many guys trying to make it playing with right. desperation that, you know, guys, when they come through, they have that level of desperation to where I have to make it. So now I don't think it's really a thing of, they surprise me, but it's like, you know, like this is, you know, what you were supposed to do. Like you worked for this, like this is where you're supposed to be at. Like now do you take it to another level or you, you know, continue doing what you're doing?
3: I'll give you an example. Cause obviously you had a closer look, but someone to me um, that always stands out and you know, it's, it's dope to see like just him, crushing it but tyler hero never came off to me as like i didn't think he was going to average 20 a game and be the sixth man of the year by his third season there's if you would ask me that when he got drafted i would have said zero percent chance like i didn't think he would be bad but did i think he'd be this good right away no so i i would say like you know an instance like that like pretty big pretty big surprise
5: no t but you got to understand t has a mentality about him where he just does not care he doesn't care who it is like he's put in so much work to where he has he can have that mentality where like I don't care like I'm confident in my abilities like Tyler's so skilled to now I just have to be confident in myself in my game to where I work on these shots I make I'll do it at a high clip whatever it is like if I need to make plays I'll make plays you know you got Jimmy yeah. Butler by your side if he's struggling now I step up so now it's like what now I'm with him if there's games I got to get 30 I get 30 it's games, on average yeah. on average in 20 and there's games. Jimmy gets 45, 50 and you get right. 15. Like, you know, it is what it is, but his role, like you said, he came in as six man of the year. Like he was a master at his role. Like that's what he does. And he's obviously going to keep pursuing the higher role because that's what type of mentality is. He, he wants to be one of the best players to ever do it. One of the best scorers. one of the best shooters, whatever it is. And clearly he's capable of doing that with his being only his third year. But like I said, it comes back to all the work he's putting in, all the hours he's in the gym. And it's like I said, I saw that firsthand. So it's not anything that's like, oh, wow, like where'd that come from? Like, no, like that was like, you know what he always was and what his foundation was built on.
3: Mm -hmm. And he's also someone that falls right into the, I got into the right environment kind of thing, like, you know you couldn't ask for a better situation to be drafted into than being in my. that and,
5: organization's unbelievable. And like you think he did get put in a good position, but it's the same thing. Do you take advantage of your opportunity? And he sure. took full advantage of that. Full advantage. He could, have, he could have been fine and averaged 10, 12 points been a whatever role player, but he's no, I'm good. Like I have this opportunity. I'm let me take this to another level. And yeah, that's what makes him him,
3: you know, and it's, it's interesting to hear like you talk about it. Cause obviously we've been saying like, you're so, you were so close to him for that one year and just, you know, from an average, you know, college basketball, NBA spectator who's never been around him, like, you don't get to see the small intricacies that do make him next level and, like, better than the rest of the majority, which is cool because, like, that's why, you know, I'm I'm doing some scouting now. And, like, it's funny because, like, you see, like, people write these reports and it's like, well, you only watched that kid one time, like. And my my mo is like, man, I, I'm not writing about kids unless like you know, I've seen them four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and I'm confident in like I know the kid's like abilities, I know some of his weaknesses, like he's got this potential, showed these flashes, has these weaknesses. Like, and so when you when you're not that close to players, like you know, you got a million people formulating opinions, and I and I was like, I'm using, you know, Tyler as an example. Um, just because of just like not being close to him at all and then being surprised by like wow like I you know I wouldn't have guessed that this guy had that extra you know oomph to him in his game that was going to make him pop and stand out as much as he has this quickly I didn't think like you know I think when he got drafted I kind of just assumed like oh yeah JJ Reddick, Kyle Corver. I didn't really you know I didn't really think much into it never way, really, way
5: different yeah way different he totally got a different more, he got a lot more shit to him than that and, yeah yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> right he got a lot more shit and and I I can completely admit like i hardly watched him at kentucky that year i don't remember what my teams were that year that i was paying more attention to but like that was why i had such a shallow opinion or like a you know i didn't think less of him i just didn't know what he was really capable of and so i think that that's always something to keep in mind when people are you know basing their opinions and making their judgments it's like dude how much have you seen the kid play how much of his strengths and weaknesses do you really know and for him like i think that's why i was just so surprised because like i didn't know Anything about him. And I just formulated this opinion that was not educated. So um, he is my surprise guy. Um, and the last one that I got to get you to answer is out of all of them, and I'm, you know, anybody will have any different answer to this, who is the best one that you were around? And it's not taking in account any of their NBA accomplishments, just at Kentucky, your teammate, you were like, this is the best player I've ever been around. This is the best teammate I've ever had. You got to say, you got to get, you got to give at least. You can't say three names. You can't. I'll let you say two, but you can't say three.
5: Oh, man, that's tough. Because
3: no one's going to be mad at you.
5: It's okay. No, no, no one will I, care. No, I know. I know. I know. It's tough. Malik Monk was one of the most special talents in college that I've been around ever in my experience. The level of scoring, like he can do it like such a high level and such a high clip. Like their days in practices were like dude isn't missing and nobody can stop him.
3: And, man, I, I'm sad he's not on the Lakers anymore. He was a fucking yeah. – he was a microwave. He's special.
5: He the leak is special.
3: Um, is that your choice? That's a good choice. All right, we can move on if that's your guy.
5: Man, yeah, it might be. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, All go. right. We're going to have to report
3: that to the uh, –
5: yeah, no, so I'll, tell him, I'll, I'll, hit I'll hit him and tell him, like, oh, Yo, you're the best player I've been with.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick break, Walkie Talkies gang. When we come back, Brad gets into more of his coaching journey on staff at UK and his new position at LIU Brooklyn. In the meantime, click that subscribe button and download button. We'd really appreciate it. And you can follow Walkie Talkies on social media at WTZ Podcast. Stay with us, everybody. We will be right back. And we're back on Walkie Talkie's podcast. Let's bring back in our guest, Brad Calipari. So, you know, I, I, we, when we transitioned into the you know, your basketball knowledge and, and things like that, I mentioned, you know, you've been around these great basketball environments and great basketball minds all your life. Um, you took a graduate assistant position at Kentucky during the 2021-2022 season. And during your time as a GA in that lone season, like, what did you feel like going into that role You still had to learn about the game and learn about the coaching side of it that, you know, being a GA has helped you with now that you have upgraded from that role after a year. I
5: think a lot of it is being open-minded to like for our staff, like everybody's coming from different places, you know, how guys think, how guys do things. Cause like the amount of hours spent in the gym was nothing new to me. Like that was always something where you're in the gym all day. Like that's nothing that was like, oh, like we got to be in the gym from this time to this time. Cause like for us, we never had set times, but like it was known like you need to be in there like most of the day. Like you need to get things done. Like you're in there early, you're in there late. Like there are times where you leave at whatever time, come back at seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. And that like for me, luckily that wasn't something I had to learn. But you know, there's sides of it where you know the scouting aspect, you know, certain things with film, um training guys. And, you know, that's something that was like one of the main things I did was was working guys out and um, like spending a lot of time building relationships and, you know, getting close with those guys. And I think that's where I benefited the most was transitioning from player to coach, learning how to really like the stuff that I did growing up that, you know, helped me be better and who I learned it from, um, teaching those guys and then putting my tweaks on it to make it how I think would be better and ultimately help kids succeed and you know develop a better jumper, whatever it is, and yeah, you know, be better for themselves.
3: What uh, what what do you think maybe your favorite um, aspect thus far of the coaching thing has been? Is it more scouting? Is it more player development? Is it more film study um, and breaking down film? Like, what where do you kind of navigate to that is like peaks your most interest thus far?
5: Definitely player development, um, and I say that because you get to see these kids every day work put in hours and you see their development. They don't see it until it really hits. Like for one instance, I worked all year summer till after the season with Xavier and Xavier came in shooting. I think it was 20% from three and the whole year we worked on his jumper and like the whole year, just hours, hours and reps, every day, multiple times a day. And it got to the point where now he was shooting 35, 34% from three towards the end of the year, he was shooting 80 something from the line, over 40 something from the field, like all his numbers were up. But like, in the beginning of the year, he didn't really see that. And it was the same thing, like we go back to before, like, they have to know you're there for them. There was some hesitant or some like he was hesitant at first to like really stick with me because the results weren't showing immediately so when he was fully bought into where like yo like he's for me this is going to help me get better I need to stick to this and then we stayed together throughout the year like we have that relationship like he got better he saw it he started to feel him shooting the ball better whatever it is making the right plays and you know ultimately he ended up being a what a koozie finalist towards the end of the year and you know you have those situations where it's like all right like now for me seeing him get better like that made me feel good like now i'm seeing him get better now he knows he got better like him seeing that is really like it's a good sense of like you know like i really like i helped this kid do what he wanted to do and get closer to you know his dreams
3: i think that um the player development is something that uh like hits the hardest with me too for a lot of those similar reasons and like i think i just i worked myself out for so long when i was younger and i tried so many different things like and i realized like well this helped my jumper get better and this helped my handle get better and that you you kind of you know you pick up right. i don't know however long you've been training 15 14 15 years like but you are now uh, special assistant to the head coach at liu brooklyn and i'm going to go ahead and assume that you know from our conversation that being a head coach is the long-term goal for you um, yeah. so kind of a two-part question here again what made you want to leave kentucky after just one year normally ga positions are a two-year stint in some cases so what made you want to depart after just the one year and after your LIU Brooklyn stint, whatever you plan to do, are you looking to kind of stay on the college side, maybe test the MBA waters, do a little bit of both? Uh, what do you think about that?
5: Um, so I took a one-year grad program on purpose to force myself to make a decision on you know what I was going to do because I think for me, like growing up in it, there are some things like I'm more advanced with, and that's just natural because I've been around it so long. Um, I didn't want to give myself a like. Uh, I'm not ready. Like I'm going to stay another year. Like, no, like I wanted to, you know, take a leap. Like now this is time to go do this. Um, but ultimately get away, see a different type of coaching style, a different type of program at a, maybe a lower level. And you see most of the, most of the good coaches, a lot of like the ones that have had a lot of success, they start at lower level schools. They work their way up through it. And, you know, that's, Most of them how it is, because now you see it from all three levels. You see at the lowest level, I've been around the highest level my whole life. And in some aspects, that gives me an advantage. But for now, me to see it as a little lower level or a major level, whatever it is, it gives me an advantage. So now I've seen every level at whatever peak I'm at and being able to get away from, you know, my dad, what he does and seeing it from another point of view, from a different type of coaching style, I think that broadens my knowledge of the game and really helps me expand and how I'm going to be as a coach. Cause I'm still trying to find how I'm going to be. I have no idea how I'm going to be as a coach when I get the opportunity to be. So mm-hmm. as much information as I can gather and put together and what I can do and how I'm going to do it, that's all essentially. Um, I just need the opportunity to be around good guys, good coaches, whatever it is and see how they operate. And then if, you know, when I have the chance, I'll have the decision to, run it how I want to run it, you know, it's like, okay, I like how he ran things. Like I'm going to do it this way when I get the opportunity, like, and each coach is different and they're going to do it their own way. And, you know, everybody's had success in their own ways, So it's not like a knock if I don't want to do it this way. It's just how I personally don't see it. And Mm -hmm. like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just guys are going to run their teams differently than each other. And being around different coaches just gives me the opportunity to see more ways and learn more.
3: Another interesting thing to add on to that is like, uh, one of my mentors that I've been working with um, he's been saying to me like you know it'll take some time to find your coaching voice like it took me four years to find that like you know consistent confident coaching voice of like now you're giving instruction not getting instruction and the only way to you know feel comfortable in that role is to just rep it out and keep building on that that voice of like yeah and then it,
5: try and because like even for me like I don't really yell and scream. Like I'm more cerebral, like teaching, like that's just how I am. But like, if I need to speak up, I speak up. So like, there's not a time where I'm like MFing guys, like screaming around, right? like, I just, that's not how I am right now. If, if I change, I change. But like right now it's more of just direct. Like if I need to speak to a broader group of people, it was three or four guys. I know how to be direct and be demanding, but it's not like a, a screaming going crazy. Like I just, that's not how I carry myself. Yeah. So I found myself to teach.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then that's always what it comes down to is like, what's your style? Are you the MF or are you the, the cerebral guy? Are you, you know, more on the chill side? Like, yeah, th- there's there's probably a little bit of both in everybody, like a lot of, you know, but it just comes with the experience and like just finding what's comfortable for you and also what's most effective to, you know, get the most out of your players. So second part of that question, though, is you looking to stay on the college side, test the NBA waters, like little bit of both? Where do you think you're at? idea no idea I
5: have no idea like I, I wouldn't mind doing either one um, one thing that always stuck out to me though and it's starting to get like this in college is like in the MBA you see job security is very not secure um, so like that's something I always kind of like it's hard for me to look at because it also takes longer to rebuild an organization so I feel like the leash with some coaches is way shorter um like for one instance like Dwayne Casey one coach of the year made it to the finals got fired like you know like didn't make it
3: to the finals but I yes second round of the playoffs but I still didn't didn't want you to get misquoted
5: yeah sorry yeah yeah. they had a chance to make it to the finals yes and you know got fired like he won coach of the year and got fired like Crazy. I don't, I don't know the details or the backstory, but like to me, from outside looking in, like that's crazy. One coach of the year, like why would you fire the coach of the year? I, so they, <laughs> there's something else. I don't know, but like you start to see it more in college now. Guys are getting let go like here and there, and you know it's that's something you're always gonna have to deal with. And I think a lot of the difference in NBA and college is like NBA is pure X's and O's. Like you don't have to recruit, you don't make phone calls. It's like you're dealing with grown men. They have families. Like they come in, they. Like, this is business now. College, it's a lot of teaching, molding, you know, helping kids develop into young men. Um, Parents have to know that they can trust you with their kid, um, really feel comfortable with you and how you're doing things. I feel like there's a lot more to it than just basketball. And you're setting them up for, you know, after basketball. Like, this is what you're doing, but, like, how you develop them now is – the mold that they're going to be when they're done playing and, you know, what they're going to be set up to do.
3: Yeah. And, and like to go on to the differences of like college coaching and MBA coaching, something that I've always observed is like that idea of like, they are older, it's more business-like, it's a more transactional thing. It's just like, you know, guys come to practice, they do their job, they get their extra work in, they leave, they got families, they got kids. Like, it's not as like tightly knit and connected and as like, you know,
5: but like, to me, like that seems shallow, like
3: that, like, yeah, but, but, like,
5: but you, but like you a shallow you, sense to it. Cause then it's like, it's only basketball.
3: No, but I don't say, so I don't say it in a sense of like, that's what I want. I say it in a sense of like, you get more out of the basketball. If you know, if you're a personable person, like you're going to build relationships with people at the end of the day, no matter right. what. Yeah, so like, I, I say that like, as a, someone who, you know, loves, loves people will talk to anybody. And you know, I, I just like it because of just I look at where college basketball currently is, and you know, you the the coaches that are retiring, like Jay Wright and and um Steph Curry's coach at Davidson, I I've drawn a blank on his name, Bob something, and um Coach K retiring, like all these guys kind of slowly stepping away, like to me is a telling tale of like where the game is headed. And I just like from my own college basketball experience, some of the like the teams I've been around, it's like the NBA just like it just seems more basketball. It's like it's just it's just hoops like, yeah, guys go home to their families and like whatever. And I, I was only stating that because like I've had coaches say to me, like college coaches say to me, like, that's why they don't want to do the NBA route is because like there's not the ability, you know, to build a relationship with LeBron James or Rajon Rondo because they got to go home and, you know, feed their family or they're going to do this project in L.A. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But like, look at a guy like Phil Handy, man. like his like his relationship with players, like and that tight knit bond that he has, like there's a ton of that around the NBA. And yeah. I don't know, I just look at it as more of like a, you know, not and, and I agree with you, like the way I framed that would definitely came off like it could be shallow, but I didn't mean it in a sense of like, yeah, you, know, no, I get you. yeah, like I don't I don't want anything to do to these guys. Just keep it basketball. No, it's more so like I don't think I want to deal with like persuading a 17 or 18 year old kid to come to, you know, this school and do this and then like not him not get what he wants. And all of a sudden him and his family hate us and all hell breaks loose. And it's like there's just two, you know. The NBA is just like, man, like, you don't do your job. Like, you want to act like a baby? Like, get the hell out of here. Like, everybody's got to be on their P's and Q's and, like, you know, be a professional. And I don't think at the college level there's enough of that, like, we're professionals here. Because, like, yeah, people categorize them as amateur sports and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong. You've been around the game, like, deeper parts of the game than me. But, like, the NBA just has that vibe of, like, you either are a pro or you're not. And if you're not a pro, you're not going to make it here.
5: And that's what makes UK unique is you have... Basically, you carry yourself as a professional. The university carries itself professionally with how we do things, you know, treatment, practice, workouts, individual workouts, lift, conditioning, all of it. It's all carried in a professional manner, which is why it separates itself from a lot of schools is you have those guys that are ready for it because, you know, they know the schedule. They know how it is. It's just on top of, you know, how things are. You have to work. Our guys going to class? Like, you know, what are they doing? But I think in a sense, like when you know what that professional culture is, it's easier to teach and understand. And, you know, like this is how guys did it. Guys were successful doing it. This is why you should do it. And, you know, there's carryover and benefit to when you act like this because you develop a maturity of level of professionalism and, you know, yeah. in yourself and on and off the court.
3: I mean, that's why you see like, you know, only a select few amount of guys from, You know, maybe the lesser degree high major teams like only have a couple guys get drafted versus a Duke, a Kentucky, a Villanova. And they have, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 dudes getting drafted year in, year out, or like their total number of guys getting drafted is because, like we said it earlier, but it's about the culture that is, you know, cultivated there. And um, it sets you up to have that carryover that you're talking about. And I think that, like, obviously it's clear as day that, like, the majority, because not everyone goes to the NBA, it's a very small club. And so the majority of Division one college basketball players like don't get the opportunity to be a part of those kind of cultures. and so therefore you get the other side of it, which does become the majority of like you're dealing with kids who are entitled, you're dealing with kids who don't have that professional mindset. And so sometimes I think like it just gets tiring. It's like, man, being around this is you know a waste of energy. it's toxic. It, it's it's not doing anything for any of us. and if you don't have the you know open mindedness open mindedness or the self awareness to kind of like get over yourself then you know you can make it a miserable experience for everybody and i think that if you experience that side of college basketball like you know that's that, that was you know not to make it about me but like i was just i didn't i wanted a break before i did a graduate assistant thing cuz i was like man like i just think like the way college basketball is turning like and the way some of the, some of these kids act that i've been around like i'm okay like i w- i would rather try to pursue it in another yeah. avenue also yeah. where you can get more experience from, you know, you can only do so much as a GA within that one team setting. Um, I want to finish up on what we were talking about with like differences in NBA coaching and, and college coaching because your dad did do... Am I stupid or did he do some no, NBA he, No, he, he
5: was with the Nets. The, the,
3: the Nets, right. Yeah, that's that's why you're a Jersey guy. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> like what it, what would you say like about, you know, that perspective of, you know, being an NBA coach? Like, you know, what I said to you, either deny it or not deny it either accept it or reject it as it being you know semi true semi fair like what I want to know what you think about the claim I made
5: I mean I think it's definitely fair because those guys have families they have to go back to their families there's only so much time that you know guys get to spend with them outside of basketball and when guys have kids wives you know it's it's tough for them like you know basketballs they're their job but like you also have a family now and then like you said you have those guys that they're always in the gym you have certain guys that are in the gym more often than not like most of from what I've heard the staff like the head coaches the assistant coaches like they do their work but the guys that are in there are like in there more often than the other guys are the guys player development the ones that are doing all of that stuff when the guys come in late at night You know, and obviously you have some assistants that come in late at night with those guys, but everything that I've heard and experienced, at least, is those guys that are on the come up, they want to make it, they're in the gym all the time, and those are the ones putting in those hours, just like the guys that are up there probably did when they were coming up, and it's like you said, it's the benefit of it when you get to that level. And it's the business side of it. You don't have to worry about certain things. And you have guys that are in those positions to handle that business. And that's what that is.
3: Okay, last break coming up here. home stretch of the two-part pod series with Brad Calipari. Awesome stuff thus far. Coming up, Brad talks about losing to 15-seed St. Peter's in the first round of the tournament. Key lessons from his dad as his dad and as his coach. His current best player in the NBA. And even more. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back on Walkie Talkie's podcast. Let's bring back in our guest, Brad Calipari. All right, now talk to me about the special assistant and what that role has kind of been like for you starting that up. Um, So like for me, I could do a
5: lot of the stuff like normal assistants could do. Um, I can't reach out, make calls to recruits, but there are certain times like I'll be able to go on the road and recruit, um, work out a lot of guys, you know, do all the film, the scouting stuff, anything like that where, you know, scheduling organization, whatever, you know, recruits we need to look into, film stuff, you know, anything like that. Basically everything but be able to go on the road and recruit unless given whatever waiver it is to where if somebody's not on the road, then I can go. Um, but basically everything besides that. So you know it's been a good opportunity. It's just like another step forward to, you know, where I want to be and you know continue to move and work hard through it and develop that knowledge of the game and that experience still.
3: So you know, we've we've talked about your dad a lot. And uh, I always like to semi wrap the show up with like where the journey is taking you what you've taken away from the journey. But for you, I want to kind of frame it in a sense of like, what's one key takeaway, it could be more than one from your dad as your dad, and from your dad as your basketball coach.
5: Oh, man. So my dad as my dad, his whole thing, really, like, since I've been a kid, is just you know, you're no better than anybody, you don't act better, or like you, you don't act like you're better than anybody, even though you're in the position you're in, you still don't carry yourself like, you know, I'm above people, like, you're blessed, you're lucky, you have the opportunity to where you, where you are, and, you know, some people aren't as fortunate, and you can't, you know, shame them with that, you know, you have to be there, and basically be more of a servant leader than, you know, what you would be. And now that's one of the things like growing up with him and then even playing for him, like as a coach, like you got to be a servant leader. You got to really, you know, step back sometimes to show like you're here for those around you, even though you may be more advanced in some aspects or whatever, your position's a little higher or whatever it is, like I'm at higher level on the totem pole, whatever it is, doesn't matter, but you're willing to do the dirty work, the stuff that nobody wants to do you're willing to get behind guys that need help that, you know, you can push forward and you'll be there for them when they're at their lowest, whatever it is, they'll be there for you. And that's a part of, if you're going to be a leader, you need guys to respect you and you need guys to want to be there for you and really push for you. But at the same time, they have to know that you're there for them and what you're doing is in their best interest. And how you do that is showing them like, look, like I'm willing to do this, just for your, like, I don't gain anything out of this. Like, this is for you. Like, I'm not gaining anything out of this. And really putting yourself in vulnerable positions to where, you know, like, this could hurt me, but, like, this is for you, essentially. Like, I'm good. Like, I'll be able to bounce back from this, but I want you to be in a good position. And them seeing that you're willing to take risks like that and really put yourself in those positions for them, I think that helps develop a level of respect and even that relationship that guys really want to have with each other.
3: Yeah, man, that's a true testament. You know, we've said it the whole episode about just like how you were raised, how your dad, you know, coaches his players, but also, you know, raised his children and his family. And, you know, super cool to hear it from you because, like I said, always been a Coach Cal fan. Family's always been a fan of you guys and just like what he's been able to accomplish in the basketball world. Like what a legend. And, um, you know, having moved around and seen all sorts of things, you know, these last couple of years for you in particular, what do you think the one thing is that maybe you've taken with you the most that's currently helping you along this journey right now? My dogs, the doggies. What what do we got?
5: I know I got two German shepherds. They keep me company when I'm lonely.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel mean, that
5: man. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, just you know, developing that foundation of professionalism and like what a winning culture is. Like growing up in that, like that carries with you so like you have that expectation of how things are supposed to run like how guys are supposed to act and carry themselves the amount of work guys put in you know that's always going to be binding because that's the culture I was brought up in that's a culture that's successful and you know when you move around you have sometimes you have to rebuild or start a new culture and that's what it is so when you're around a championship caliber culture that's what you want if there's a school that you end up being at that is not have that type of culture that's what you have to bring in and that's what you have to try to get guys to buy into and and understand
3: man you've had a you know special journey thus far you got a lot more in store for you um i appreciate you sharing all of that and gritty stuff and and kind of going in depth with me and and opening up and being vulnerable um you know for the listeners i do want to hit you just with some fun quick hitters and then i'll let you get the hell out of here Uh, First one I want to ask that I know people are wondering is like what what was it like being on the end of losing to a 15 seed? I mean, you weren't playing, you were coaching, but what was that like? I mean, like, are you, like, are you embarrassed? Are you do you have that sense of embarrassment of like, dude, we really we were that two seed that did that?
5: <laughs> like, you're sitting there and you're like, damn, like it don't feel real because you're like, we weren't supposed to lose that. But what's crazy is they went on and beat Purdue murray state like they'd be other top 25 top 15 teams so it's like yeah they had some guards on their team that were special like they did some big things like played well and you know we hit a game where we didn't play well outside of oscar oscar had his 35 and 17 or whatever yeah. he had and, <laughs>
3: you
5: know we just struggled offensively outside of him and you know their guards played out of their mind and you know for that stretch they made it to the elite eight and you know had a historic run but still at the same time you're like damn like like we had it and we were good enough to play in the national championship game and we beat two of the teams that were in the chip by 20 and by 40 and yeah it it, is what it is and you know
3: like being on the outside of it and you see like you know 15 seed gets to the elite eight like we all felt the same way of like that's awesome so you had you guys had to get to a certain point where you were probably like damn it sucks that we were one of the teams they took down but like wow they're really in the elite eight like no one's ever done that before
5: it was it was better that they kept winning because then it was like it's not just us so now it's like yeah like, yeah <laughs> where it's like you know it's not just us at least it's like yeah, it state it was purdue like all right we're like we're okay we're but like i said i think the worst part is seeing like you have kansas and north carolina both great teams but like in the year like we were dominant Against right. it yeah, just, bust, it would, it that, <laughs> it just
3: busted that ass and no. busted that Didn't work out. <laughs> um. All right. It, so having been around, having been around Drake a little bit and seeing him warm up with you guys and you know him just being a big fan, is he the best rapper that hoops, or do you have someone else over him? Ah,
5: uh, best rap Believe it or not, Quavo. Or I mean, no, not. Why do that, pe-
3: Why do people always say Quavo?
5: Is it little Dirk? I think is yes, that Dirk. That's that yeah, was my answer. Yeah, Dirk's Durk. got a pure jumper, Durk, man. Yeah, Dirk is nice, but quavo has been on the biggest stage where he's like actually shown like he can hoop. It's crazy that
3: people really like he it. plays in all the
5: celebrity games. Like you don't see yeah. little Dirk in the celebrity games, but like you see all the stuff. Even you know who else is good? Dave East.
3: Oh yeah, I heard Dave East can hoop, and also like one guy that never plays, but I think played D one at one point was Two Chains. Yep, but. Yeah, I, I I've heard the same thing about Davies, yeah. but I just feel like those videos I've seen of uh, Lil Durk's jumper, man, like shit's yeah, pure. It
5: is, it is pure. It's ridiculous.
3: Like it's like one after the other. You're like, why does he know how to do this? Oh, I know. <laughs> um, so not Drake. Drake is not your answer. Drake's out.
5: Drake is not my answer. He's getting better though. He's getting way better. I. I was supposed to go up to Toronto you know, watch him in the little league that he has in his house where, you know, the you know, stuff where, you know, he's been, you see all his videos where he's, yeah. he's and spins, but,
3: you know, Man, I, I but, love, the, I love, I love his effort, but God damn it, Drake, you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just messing who, all right. Last one. Who's the overall best player in the NBA right now? This answer is going to tell me a oh, lot man. about you, man. This, this, is, this is this is, going to complete the interview or it's going to ruin the interview. So what do you got? <laughs> and don't just say a name. You got to say a name and give a reason. But that, that's the rule.
5: I feel like you're going to give me shit if I say LeBron.
3: Oh, you're talking to the right guy, man. I ain't giving you shit if you say LeBron. That's, that's what's going to make or break this interview.
5: <laughs> because a lot of people are saying Steph Curry. A lot of people are saying Giannis. Steph Curry has more of a case than Giannis, I feel like, but I like LeBron because LeBron averaged 30 and an yeah. eight, eight, and he's 36.
3: Uh, hey, man, you completed the interview. That was the answer I was looking for, and I don't get it too often because I am like, I am hardcore Bronstein, and like, you but know, like, I mean, he's done it for
5: so long, he's been dominant for dude. And you know, even though yeah, the team sucked
3: there. last year, it doesn't matter. He's like, if they didn't suck. He would have won MVP, won exactly. he would have won the scoring title, and if they AD was AD, they would have won the championship. And he'd still, like, that's yep. where people need to shape the, their their outlook on what's going on. Like, if that was the case, if, you know, all that stuff didn't, you know, go into shambles, like, that would be the storyline. It's like, oh, wow, he's exactly. going into year this 20 is, this he's is still the thing. best player.
5: This is my thing. Like, with Giannis, right? Giannis is dominant. It's crazy. But, like, in the playoffs, they didn't have Chris Middleton. I've been telling people this for, like, the last two years. Chris Middleton is the X factor. He's the one that can score three levels. Giannis can score three levels. So, he's limited. So, when you're in a playoffs and guys start sending two, three guys at you, it makes it harder. Who's going to go get your buckets? Right. Chris Middleton. But they didn't have him this year. So, what happened? They ended up losing. Bron, it doesn't matter. He'll go get it wherever. That's why I say Steph Curry has more of a shot at best player in the league. Yeah.
3: You you know what's funny is that you didn't even mention Kevin Durant, which – Kevin Durant's
5: the most skilled player in the league.
3: But he does – and he's, just, he's showing it by this, like, you know, this this Brooklyn stuff is, like, he he doesn't want that extra added emphasis of pressure that you see, you know, Braun take on for so many years. The one shitty thing about the LeBron case, though, is that he's played for so long, and he's not going to win one every single year, and now it's just giving all the naysayers and the haters the ability to be like, oh, yeah, well, what about year 18, and what about year 19? And yeah. It's like, dude – Look at what you're saying. You're talking about year 18 and 19, and he's still still at that level.
5: Been an all-star 18 straight years or whatever it is, 18 straight seasons.
3: Yeah. Well, um, I got them I got them on the come up this year, man. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do, but I, I just I think AD's on, on an MVP on an MVP tear this year, if he stays healthy, because he's got the goods in my mind. But um, I'm happy you said LeBron. I don't get a lot of LeBron on here. Um, but man, I appreciate you coming on the show. This was, this was great. Every, everything I could ask for, I'm glad that we were able to sit down and shoot the shit. I do appreciate you coming on, man. It was, it was great having you and, uh, you know, great hearing about your story, your journey, you know, talking about your dad and just, being willing to like i said earlier open up about this stuff and, and uh you know give the give the listeners a uh, a great episode so uh thank you my man i appreciate it all right walkie talkies that's a wrap for our two-part episode series with brad calipari really had a great time sitting down with him and hearing his perspective on all the variety of things that we got the chance to touch on really good dude gave us a lot of good content all throughout the two episodes so Appreciate him for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe and download the pod. For us, it does go a long way. There will be no podcast next week, but the following week we are back with another two-parter with one of the most famous walk-ons to ever do it. I'm not going to tell you who, so stay tuned and follow at WTZ Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to find out who and also for video highlights of every episode. I look forward to seeing y'all back here in two weeks and remember, us some cute.
0: Walkie Talkies is a production
3: of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.